Welcome. Uh, I, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at Timberlake. I uh, want to welcome those watching at Duval and Issaquah and online. And our Issaquah campus, this is the fourth anniversary of that campus. Can we give uh, them a hand? Uh, last couple weekends, they've had some of their, uh, their biggest weekends. God is doing some uh, really great things there. Uh, we are in this series called Enjoying Right Now. And, and I got to tell you, I enjoyed this weekend uh, because people will think, are oh, you a sports fan? Not really, but I really do like football in particular. So this is a big weekend uh, for me. And in fact, I had the opportunity to go to uh, the Huskies game, and so, which was a lot of fun. Just want to do a little uh, bit of a, uh, an unscientific survey here. How many of you were, you would say, you didn't have to go to the school, in general, you would say that you're uh, Husky fans? Okay, right? How many of you would say you're Coug fans? Come on, there's got to be some here. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to make any comments about that at all. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I've been trying to convince my youngest daughter. I went to the University of Washington, and so I've been trying to convince her to, uh, to go there. And so one of the things I thought would be really cool is I invited uh, her and a friend. I had three tickets. Uh, my wife was doing something else and said, why don't you and a friend come and you can come see the game. And so here's a picture of me and my daughter. We uh, took our, yeah, nice little selfie there. She's teaching me how to do it. And uh, we had a, a great time at the game. And uh, we were out there really sunny out. Uh, and I, I said, because uh, she wants to go to Wazoo. I don't know what happened uh, to her. I don't think there was any sort of switch at birth that could have happened. I'm not, no. The, uh, uh, but she's really intent on going to uh, being a coog and going to Wazoo. And so I've been trying to convince her uh, differently. So we're out there at the game. The weather's beautiful. And she said, you know, but it's really hot. And I said, well, honey, you know it's not usually this hot. And in fact, if you went to uh, Washington State in Pullman, it would snow for like eight months a year. And she said, oh, it would be so nice right now if it was cold. So I think I lost that battle with my daughter, and uh, who knows where she's going to end up going to, uh, to school. As we're in this uh, series, what we're looking at uh, are some, some principles of joy that we find in the book of Philippians. And particularly today, what we're looking at are when we, when we think we can get progress one way, just like I tried to get with my daughter, uh, and we, we head towards that. Uh, but it doesn't work. And in fact, we're looking at uh, one of the three battles we find in the book of Philippians. Uh, the first one is together versus alone. We spent a lot of time looking at that uh, on really how God has created us, not only for community, but community that builds us up spiritually. Uh, we looked at prayer versus worry or trust versus worry last week and how really there are some biblical principles that we can apply uh, even for those of us who deal with anxiety on a more severe level. Uh, but today is really for those of us who maybe have some religious ideas and conceptions and we think of what it would be like to really uh, have a, a relationship with God, a faith life that would be uh, really impactful. And we're looking at progress versus perfection. And uh, I, 
I want to let you know that as we talk about that, my, my assumption is that uh, none of us here are perfect, uh, but that God can help us make progress in our lives. In fact, uh, my oldest daughter, she made this coffee mug for me. And some of you, I know you think this is a soup bowl or a small mixing bowl. Uh, this is actually a coffee mug. I can, I can do a whole pot in about two and a half of these. And not that I've ever done it before. But uh, in it, on this, my daughter made this for me because she knows it's one of my very favorite Bible verses. Uh, Philippians 1.6. And in fact, if you're following along, uh, you might want to take out your outline. And uh, we'll look at that first verse. It says, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And the idea there is that God has started something in you if you've started a relationship with God, and that it's not just about what you will do, but about what God will do in you. It was interesting when someone sent me uh, that verse one time. I, I was in college and I really wasn't doing very well. I, I had uh, been, a, been a Christian for a while, but I, I sort of lived in a way as if God was absent. And uh, one of my mentors, he sent me that verse. And that verse was such an encouragement to me to believe that it didn't matter what my current circumstances looked like, even where I had failed in the past, but that God was able to complete the work that he began in me. And the same is true for you. As we, as we look at this, I, I want to consider just in general to help us understand this better because uh, religious life in America, how, uh, what does that uh, even look like? Uh, there's, if Ed Stetzer from Lifeway Research, he's done uh, quite a bit of study on this, his organization, probably uh, the best-known Christian research organization getting in-depth in American religious life. And here's what he has found, that if you look at society as a whole, not Washington State, the numbers are a little bit different, that you would have about 25% of the people uh, would not describe themselves as Christians at all. They, you know, that may be no faith, another faith, uh, something like that. But still, in the United States, about... 75% of people describe themselves as Christians in some way or another. Now, that can be confusing because you say, wow, it just seems like, you know, that many people would really say that they are Christ followers. Well, Stetzer, uh, he does a little deeper study, and I think as we look at his research, it'll help us hopefully not to judge other people, but to evaluate maybe uh, where we're at as well. Uh, Now, these numbers, as I said, are are a little bit different. In uh, the Seattle area, the number of people who would say they're not Christians is more like 42, 43%. But if you go down the numbers, we'll find some similarities. So in that 75%, you have three categories, and Stetzer describes it generally as this. Uh, Cultural Christians. Uh, these would be people who would say they're a Christian, but really it's not, you know, they're not part of any sort of 
a religious organization. They, they, you know, they pray before tests or when their wife says, I really need to talk with you. You know, times like that. Uh, they, uh, they, they might go every once in a while to church on Christmas or Easter, Christers, you know, sort of like that. And a lot of us here at Timberlake would say that would describe me. In fact, we have a number of people who were in that other category just many months or years ago, we'd say, no, I was not a Christian at all. And so you have uh, cultural Christians, and then there's what he calls uh, congregational Christians. These are people who would say, you know, uh, I identify with this brand of Christianity. You know, I'm a, a, a Lutheran, I'm a Methodist. By the way, if you are, uh, you know, if you go to Timberlake and you, you've been praying about it and you invite a friend to church uh, uh, and you know they really don't go to church, they, they'll say, oh no, you know, I'm a whatever, a, a Lutheran usually or a Methodist or a Presbyterian. And uh, what they're basically saying is stay away from me. No, <laughs> but really what it is, uh, in fact, I have this, sometimes I'll do this, this is sort of mean. Every once in a while, I'll, they'll say, oh, I go to church. I'll go, oh, really, what's the pastor's name? That is a mean question, because half the time they don't know. But they can uh, tell you the pastor from when they were a kid. And so there is, in a sense, a, an identification with that. And so, that, so if you look at it, and then, the, again, these, this terminology is his, not mine, but then he would say about 25% of the people would be uh, c committed Christians. And, and this is what, I, what that means. Uh, it, it doesn't mean, by the way, these super weird religious people, you know, the kind of people who are uh, out there and, and maybe judging you and real critical. Uh, and you say, I don't want to be like that. Hey, I don't want to be like that either. And I don't want you to ever be like that. Uh, but what we're talking about is that my relationship with God impacts my life. It impacts how I spend my time. It impacts uh, how I spend my money. It impacts how I treat people. doesn't say you're doing this perfectly, but when you go to uh, maybe a career or get involved in an organization or, or something like that, that you would see this through the prism, through the lens of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, as we look at progress versus perfection, I, I just want to let you know that this right here, that, that final category, uh, is really what we're shooting for. And it's, if you look at American society as the, the number of people who would identify themselves as Christians has actually gone down, that number is relatively unchanged. And I think what's happening is that just people are identifying themselves uh, maybe in, in a little clearer uh, way than they have before. Well, as I shared, uh, as someone sent me that Bible verse, I was living in a way that really wasn't in that committed Christian category. Uh, and in fact, some things that, that I, honestly I felt embarrassed of and I, and I didn't know necessarily my way back or my way to uh, a spiritual path, a relationship with God that makes sense. And so really, this uh, gets to the key question, is as we look at this verse, uh, uh, you know, he who began a good work uh, will bring it to completion. How does this happen? How does this happen? Uh, well, there's basically three options that you can have for this. 
Uh, some people say, well, I'm just going to follow my heart. And I would uh, be careful about that sometimes. Because has your heart ever told you something that you maybe shouldn't do, your instincts or something like that? Uh, it, it says in Philippians well, 3.1, furthermore, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And the, I, the, the word Lord there, uh, it, it means the one who is a director and in control. And the fact is, is that God wants us to experience joy, but the highest goal, that's a byproduct of something else. Secondly, uh, to follow ritual and rules. Uh, we can think of that. And, and, and sometimes we think of people who are spiritually mature is, hey, these people are really uh, religious. And there can be some actions that flow out of our faith life, but I would say that that's not the ultimate uh, sign. And in fact, if you think about it, uh, in the ancient times, around the time the Bible was written, there were sort of battles about what does a real Christian look like? What does is, what is someone uh, who really follows God looks like? It used to be 30 years ago in America, people were fighting worship wars. You know, the, it, when you, it went from traditional to more contemporary uh, music, and, and that used to be a big battle. Back then, the war, wars were about dietary laws, not eating meat that was sacrificed to idols and foreign gods. And then the second one was circumcision. And that was the one that really thinned the herd, I got to tell you. <laughs> so, because, you know, this was, we're talking a commitment here. And they're saying, now that you, before you be, can become a Christian, you need to convert to Judaism and then become a Christian. And uh, you'd say, well, that doesn't make sense at all. But ha have you ever walked into a place? I've even heard people say this as a pastor. Well, you know, they just need to do things the way we do them. Well, rituals can be important. But if we elevate those at all, what we really do is we create barriers for people coming to Christ and for our own spiritual growth. And in fact, if you look at uh, the laws that are upheld in the Scripture, the rules, they have to do with uh, the laws of relationship with God and morality, not the old ceremonial laws. So the Apostle Paul says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. He's talking about circumcision. And the third path, and this is the one I'm going to suggest, is to follow Jesus. And what I mean there, you might say, okay, that just sounds sort of like a, you know, a hippie theology there. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Not just, oh, what, what would Jesus do? Not a bad question, but truly seek after God through Jesus Christ. We read in Philippians 3, it says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And so what I want to do is, as we go through the rest of this chapter, is I want us to consider uh, sort of what that looked like, not only for that group of people back then, for the Apostle Paul who God used to write this book in the New Testament, but what it would look like for you and me to really uh, be on a trajectory spiritually that maybe is the same one we're on now and maybe to accelerate that, 
Maybe for the first time to come into relationship with God, or maybe it's more of a get back on track kind of thing for us. What are, uh, we're going to look at five enduring principles, five principles of authentic spiritual growth. So the first one is very simple. As long as I'm alive, I've not arrived. Uh, as long as I'm alive, I'm not arrived. Again, we are not perfect. We read in, in uh, Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal. What he's what he's saying there is that I'm not going to be neurotically driven by uh, guilt and shame, but I'm going to consider what is the next step in my spiritual path. We talk about this a lot at Timberlake as our red dot moment. Sort of like when you go to the mall and uh, you see that map, you are here or you're at some other place, they have those maps, and it lets you know where you are so you can take the necessary steps to get to where you want to be. As we head into uh, the fall in particular, my encouragement is that you would take a spiritual step that you have not taken before, or maybe it's some area where you've gotten off track. In, in your connection card in your program, we have four we're highlighting. And if you say, hey, one of these, or if I'm not really doing all of these, then I would suggest that maybe you do one of those. Uh, the first one is obviously, if you've not really signed on the dotted line and said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, that, that means it's not, um, it's not about the culture that I come from. It's not about my identification with maybe a denomination, but it's about my personal commitment to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, another step would be uh, our Discover membership class. I, I always encourage you, if you've been hanging around Timberlake for a while, this is a great class. It's about two and a half hours long. We don't have like a six-week membership thing. It's basically for two reasons. One, to make sure you know what it means to, to uh, be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, what the Bible says about that. And then secondly, so you can find out if we're a cult or we're not a cult. <laughs> and uh, we tell you what we believe and why we do uh, the things we do. And I, I think that's really important, even if God called you to be someplace else, to at least discover, hey, is this a team I want to inv invest my energy and resources in and where I would trust that I could grow spiritually? Uh, another step is baptism. Uh, this has been a huge one for us uh, this year. Again, we've had more people baptized by far than in the history of the church in the first uh, eight months of the year. And many people who've said, you know, I've said yes to Jesus, but now I'm going to identify myself with Jesus Christ through uh, water baptism. And for some of you, that, that's really, you know, can be one of those things that's uh, confusing. You were baptized as a child. Well, when you're baptized as a child, that's about your parents' faith. And, uh, but being baptized as an adult, which is really all the baptisms we see in Scripture, uh, is about your faith. And the great news at Timberlake is that we don't, I've had this before where when you know, get baptized, you have to get up and talk in front of the whole congregation, confess every sin you've ever done, and then they baptize. We just read your sins to the church. 
And, <laughs> and we just, you know, we follow you around. We've got some help from Google and the NSA. And so, uh, uh, no, no, no. What really, uh, you're uh, just uh, uh, baptized and you're just talking to the person there. And they said, have you accepted Jesus Christ? And when you do that, uh, yes, we put you under the water. We don't hold you down too long unless you're a really bad sinner. Then we hold you down just long enough to where you know you really need the Lord. No, the, uh, uh, so I encourage you to take that step. And then join a group. Uh, our growth groups are a key. And I feel like not only are more people involved, but our groups have gotten better than ever before. And it's usually just going deeper into what the message is during the week, recovery groups, uh, that's when a church like this makes sense, especially as we look to launch at least one, maybe two new campuses in 2016. Uh, you know when church becomes fun is when you have some people who are cheering you on, who you know and helping you grow in your faith. And then uh, the last one, uh, I would say next week I'm starting a new series. It's called Comeback. It's a great series, especially for people who've maybe not been to church or not been in a long time or they're on that maybe non-Christian. They say, hey, I never thought I would even go uh, to a church. And uh, I can assure you I won't embarrass them or you, but here's one of the cool things that we're going to do in this series. Uh, some of the stories you've heard of people who've accepted Christ, who've, whose lives have been transformed in a powerful way. Uh, now we're going to come back four, five, six years later and we're going to see those as we look at the Bible stories about some of the great comebacks as well. So I encourage you uh, uh, to that, that very first one is no, you've not arrived and take a step. And number two, examples create growth, not comparison. That's an important principle. Uh, sort of like the old story of the, uh, of the dad who was mad at his son because he was playing too many video games. And, and he says, you know, hey, you know, you, you need to stop playing so many video games. When uh, Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was reading books by candlelight. And the boy didn't miss a beat. And he said, well, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was president, Dad. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, comparison doesn't really work. Uh, it, but examples can be powerful uh, for us as well. And really, it, it's when we're looking at others not to criticize but as people who are maybe a little further along in, in their faith. Because we always like to, you know, look at, criticize people. Like, oh, look at that person over there. I'm always afraid, like, uh, like being projected on the screens uh, in some of the campuses. You know, it's like, oh, nose hair. Ooh, he better shade that or braid that, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, those sort of things are, uh, we can make those critiques, but those are not helpful. Um, in fact, my, my sister, uh, I love my sister. Uh, my sister, she used to have a pair of binoculars and look at people uh, on her street. Not creepy in the least bit, is it, you know? <laughs> uh, so, but when we're looking for the reason of criticism, that's different. But when we're looking for, hey, where are you in your faith uh, that I could be as well? We read in uh, Philippians 3.17, the Apostle Paul says, join together in following, underline my example. And by the way, he was far from perfect. In fact, he had done worse things than probably most of you ever have done in your life. Brothers and sisters, just as you have me as a model, keep your eyes on those who live 
as we do. That's why it's important to have people in your life who are Christian friends. You should have friends of, you know, who are Christians, non-Christian, all sorts of things. Because there need to be some people where you can say, hey, I want to be like that. Number three, we need to understand that success is not forever and failure is not final. Uh, that's really important. There was a book that was written a number of years ago by Chuck Swindoll. It was called uh, Three Steps Forward and Two Steps Back. And that's a lot how the Christian faith is. In fact, uh, I shared with the church uh, back oh, probably about six, seven months ago uh, that I was going to go hike a mountain and I started training. And I got to tell you, I trained like crazy for two days. And then I realized, I, I just don't think I should do this, you know? And I was worried about you. I thought, you know, what if I died up there? It was really because I'm a selfless person. That's why, I know. It, it, so, uh, but I just, then, then finally this summer, I didn't want to tell you, I started to get back into it. And the place I train is Tiger Mountain. And can I tell you something that you may not know? Uh, Tiger Ma Mountain has gotten taller and steeper in the last six months. It has, it's, you know, either that or I've gotten more out of shape. I'm not sure what's happened. Uh, but the reality is I was, six months ago, uh, I was in better shape as I was getting ready for this. And I'm not gonna get despondent by, by that, but just need to understand it's time to get back on track. And some of you would maybe say that for your spiritual life. And here's a great principle that we learn in the book of Philippians. Philippians 3.13 says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is what? Ahead, yeah. A lot of, and here's the whole, and I get it, but we get so stuck in the past. And you can't change your past, no matter how bad it was, no matter how good it was. Uh, I've shared before, I'll talk to people who will say, yeah, you know, man, I just, and of course these people are pretty seasoned at this point. Yeah, I've never really been able to find a church that's really been great back since, you know, like Chuck Smith and the Calvary chapels in the 70s. Man, that's where God really was. That was like 40 years ago. And can I tell you, God isn't even there anymore. Uh, and I'm not kidding. God has moved on, but you're stuck. Is, is there some place where you just need to admit, I'm stuck and I'm not going to spiritualize it, but I need to focus on God, what is my, and we say this all the time, God, what is my next right step? And I want to move in that direction. Number four, the path of, uh, the right path is seldom the path of least resistance. As we look at uh, progress versus perfection, progress takes a little bit of work. Uh, it, it does, and it takes a little bit of discipline along the way. Uh, there was a, a psychologist at Stanford University about 40 years ago. His name was Walter uh, Michael or Walter Michelle. I'm not sure uh, how you pronounce it, but uh, he did a study with 600 kids, and uh, it was they gave them. They put these kids in the room, and I think there was a cookie or marshmallow or something like that. And a famous experiment. And they told the kid, hey, if you don't touch this, 
something way better. We're going to give you like, you know, four marshmallows or four cookies or something. I'm not sure exactly what the bribe was. And so they put these four-year holds in the room, not all 600 at the same time. That would be a horrific thing. And, uh, and then they, they, uh, they taped the kids. And there were some kids who would just go right up right away, eat it, <laughs> done. <laughs> there are other kids who would like look away, they'd talk to an imaginary friend. There's kids who would pick it up, sniff it a little bit. And uh, they were having this battle inside of them. Uh, other researchers have followed, to this day, 40 years later, they followed these 604-year-olds. And uh, the ones who had a sense of self-discipline, uh, they have done, not surprisingly, better in life. They had higher SAT scores, uh, have, have higher incomes, are healthier. Uh, the, the, the cookie eaters, they're in prison. The, uh, <laughs> some of them are <laughs> actually they are but the, uh, <laughs> uh, the, it can be difficult can it but, but it's worth it I mean I, I, I just I've seen people who've come into my office with the worst marriages you could ever imagine I mean, they're like bad, and, and hey, I've talked to a lot of people over the last 25 years, and there are people like bad, bad, bad. In fact, you need to hear their stories. You'd feel better about your marriage. <laughs> the, uh, and they both committed to the hard work of not only just doing the work in marriage. I talked about if you just do that, that'll never be enough. But allowing Jesus to be Lord of their life and say, we're going to follow Jesus no matter what I think, no matter what I feel, I'm going to follow Jesus. I've had buddies at work who have been in difficult situations. They say, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, see, the deal is, if you don't know, if you, if you haven't really started to learn what Jesus is like, you'll, find, you'll follow some weird religious example of someone who you see on the television. It's probably getting it wrong. But it's developing that personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And we need to remember this, and this is so important, that grace trumps shame for lasting change. It really does. If you want lasting change in your life, if you want it in the life of uh, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, kids, whatever, uh, for la you can use shame and guilt, and that'll work for a moment. But grace, giving not only mercy where people deserve judgment, but also seeing the very best that God has, creates lasting change. My friend, who at that time I shared when I was in college and just being a total idiot, hard to believe some kid in college at a fraternity could be an idiot, but it happens. And he said, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And part of that forgetting what is behind, 
is saying, I, in, fact, in fact, it talks about, you know, some of you don't believe in Satan. He believes in you, though. <laughs> the, uh, uh, and really, it's not like there's, he's equal with God. Really, what he does is he, he reminds us of our places of shame and of failure. And, and really, what will trump that is the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And so Paul, Paul he, he ends it this way. And I want to end this, this series this way. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. See, through Jesus Christ, we've been given a home in heaven. We've been given uh, guidance through the power of his Holy Spirit. And God wants to walk with us every step of the way. And really, if, if you want to move forward, just consider who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And say, you know what, I'm going to follow you, not because anyone's looking or I have to, but because there's no other response than just as you laid down your life for me, for me to give the very best of my life to you. And I've never met anyone who's regretted that. Will you pray with me?